Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. My life as a stripper was so much more controversial and for some reason, you know, the thing that more people had an issue with. I was ready to jump out of a window, basically, and I was unrecognizable to myself. This other thing with the teacher was more relationship-like. And I was like... Really? Like, that's you. That's that's it? That's what I am? I'm just bad at being uncomfortable? So simple, and it also makes me feel like such a dick. Why is it that the most successful people have often overcome the greatest struggles? How do you find that light in the dark? That's what I'm here to find out. I'm Anna David, and this is Struggle to Success. Welcome to the premiere episode of Struggle to Success. I am your host, Anna David. I am so excited that I have an amazing, amazing guy doing this transitional thing with me. Um, I'm going to get right into it. If you don't know, go back and listen to the previous episode where I explained why I changed the name, what this is all about. I don't want to shock anybody with it. So let's just get right into him. His name is Tony Grabmeyer. I'm still not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's close enough. Did I pronounce it right? Tony G is fine. Just go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony G, he's the CEO of Ship Offers, a five-year Inc. 5000 fastest growing company. He's also the creator of Be Fulfilled, a group where entrepreneurs are encouraged to achieve their dreams. Sober since 2008, Tony is on a mission to show people that they can achieve anything they want despite their past. He also has a podcast currently called Be Fulfilled maybe changing. On it, he's interviewed everyone from Sean Stevenson to Ryan Levesque to me. He also created the Be Fulfilled Journal series, which you can get on BeFulfilledJournal.com. Welcome, Tony G. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here, and, and, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about the changing of the name and the why behind it, because I always find it fascinating um, prior to this conversation this morning about boredom as an entrepreneur and in person in recovery. I get bored easy. So I'm, I'm excited to learn more about this whole name change and to be here today for your new episode. Well, yeah, you're the perfect person to do the transition because the concept behind this transition is, frankly, I'm a little bored of talking to people about recovery. I've been sober almost 19 years. I've been ta- making it into material almost that long. I don't have anything new to say about it. And the, the truth of the matter is I've heard a lot of what other people have to say about it already. As I evolve as a person in recovery and just in life, I'm more interested in success, both personal and professional. This is like where you and I are really like in line. And like really what fascinates me is that the most successful people I know, I totally apologize for that. The most successful people I know have often overcome the greatest struggles. And what is that? Like, what is this connection between struggle and success? So that is, that is where you get to jump in. But first I do, even though I just said how bored I am talking about recovery, I haven't talked to you about your story much. This is what I know about Tony G. 
I know that you started this company with your friends and it became massively successful. Amidst that success, you were struggling with addiction. You had a breaking point. It definitely affected your marriage and your family. And then you had this major shift. Did I get that right? Yeah. I mean, it was perfect. The piece that a lot of people leave out of the story is, yeah, I had a lot of success. I became a millionaire really, really quick, you know, in my twenties. And then I didn't know how to manage life and all of the things that came with success. I just, I never had been a part of it. I had a father who had had success, was a millionaire, lost it, millionaire, lost it, millionaire, lost it, and never regained it. And I, I remember I modeled what I wanted based on what I saw growing up. And a lot of who I am today as a human being is now I've shifted who I model. I really model my mom. I really model somebody who, you know, for the living off of teacher's salary has been able to live an incredible life, work three jobs to put food on the table for my sister and myself. And I didn't pay attention to my mom. I was so caught up in the glamour and the glorious, wow, look at my dad. He's so successful. And I had this person sitting next to me saying, you don't need all that. I'm like, no, 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 no. I got this. And that really was kind of my high and my low is I kept saying, I got this. Like, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll find the way. I think being cut the way I was cut, brought into this world, the way I was brought into this world, looking at how my family, you know, came from Russia, came from Poland, came from Germany to the States and and listening to their backgrounds, they're either an artist or an engineer. So I grew up with these like two dynamic things and I made a hybrid of them and I pulled them both together for me. So amongst all of my successes, I found my message, right? The message that I share today in my mess and the story that I love to tell people is despite anything you've gone through, you can become anything that you want to. Right. And yeah. so boredom is something that I, I equate to, I made a lot of money. I was bored. I didn't know what else to do. So, okay. When you talk about them coming from Russia and pulling, are your parents first generation? Um, yes. Yes. Wait. To a certain extent. Yes. Okay. So that's, that's, uh, and did you grow up in Colorado? Where, where was this all happening? So my, uh, so I grew up in California. I'm from the Bay area. I'm from a small town called Santa Cruz. If you've seen movies like Lost Boys, Dirty Harry set an impact. That's where I'm from. I guess there was a movie last year. It was out too. Um, so I'm from a small little town, Santa Cruz. Yeah. My, I guess thinking and talking to you really quick, my, so my grandfather, their, their family came from Germany. My mom's dad, they came uh, over, because uh, I think he is first generation too. So maybe my mom's second on that regards. But my mom was an only child. My dad was one of, and I'm going to have to say it out loud because I can't remember. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. Five, there's five sisters. So my dad was adopted um, and he just had a lot of trauma in his life. And I grew up with a skewed version of reality. I had a, a version of reality, which was when I was in the 70s, that people literally, the husband went to work, the wife stayed home, cooked and cleaned all day, that the husband came home, the wife got slippers out, made dinner, grab a drink, and everything was taken care of. Like That was the version of like life that I saw, which was not what reality is for me today by any means. Um, and, and so... I think I, I modeled too much after Leave It the Beaver and, you know, the Brady Bunch and all these like things that I saw 
And in, in literally in my mid-20s when I had what I began to call my early pre-stages of a midlife crisis because I had a full blowout in my 30s. You know, being a million dollars in debt, suicidal, all those things. Yes, I mean, I had a great company, worked with my childhood friends. I mean, I pretty much have been an entrepreneur since I was 14 years old. So everything that I wanted, I could figure out how to get. I was a great manipulator, a great manipulator. Um, But once I had it, I didn't know how to manage it. And I think a lot of people miss that part of of life is that you got to put good people. And so today I have tons of good counsel around me. I can have a five minute call with you and I can be so much more calm, at peace, better understanding of what are the next steps. Because if I'm left to my own devices, my rat brain will spin the hamster wheel 50 million miles an hour and I could go in any direction except for the one that I need to go in. Hmm. Now, that, that brain what do you think is that? Do you think that's a result of how you were born? What happened to you as a kid? Uh, where where does this come from? Well, I mean, I didn't talk until I was four. What do you mean? I didn't talk. I said four words until I was four years old. <clears throat> I rode a bike by the time I was two, so I had a lot of things going on. Like I could figure stuff out. <clears throat> My first drunk. Um, I was two and a half years old. I drank two highballs, passed out on uh, Thanksgiving. They left them up in the room. And I, my mom has always told me the story. Like she went down to go check on the turkey and my aunt Mimi was there. And my mom said, hey, I need help. And Mimi went down and they had two highballs and I just drank them both. By the time they came up, like a few minutes later, I was passed out. They went and made scrambled eggs and bacon and put it down. And my, you know, got me to eat it as fast as I could and sent me to bed and then prayed that I woke up the next day. So oh um, it's really, really funny around that because my sponsor, who I'm currently working with, he's got uh, 43 years of sobriety. And I'm like, dude, I think maybe I had like six months of sobriety when you got sober. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, that's so the youngest I, drink I've ever heard of. And that's oh, yeah. Lie. No, it yeah. was crazy. So I, um, you know, I think. I had a learning disability all through elementary and junior high. Um, People were worried and concerned because my brain wasn't, I was listening and I wasn't responding to normal things you wanted me to do. And I just didn't want to do them. And by the time I was like junior and senior year in high school, I had more or less not needed special education, but I literally, uh, my dad um, had a learning disability in some ways, you know, what do you call it when you read backwards, when things are not right? Um, oh, dyslexic? Dyslexic, right? So I still do that to this day. I still read ahead when I'm currently on like a word. I'm already five or six lines ahead in my brain. And that usually causes me to mess up. And then I can go internally and start saying things like I'm a fuck up. Like, man, I keep messing up over stupid things. Like I literally can talk great and negative at the same time about myself. Oh yeah, I get that. And one of the things that I've learned is my mom's dad um, was a brain surgeon and he stopped practicing at 90 years old. He was an assistant brain surgeon the last like 10 years of his life. And like the last three years of his life, he didn't practice and he basically kind of died. He literally, his body said, all right, I'm shutting down and everything went. Um, I lost my grandmother on my mom's side when I was 13. We just had a conversation about her this morning. And then on the flip side, I lost my dad several years ago, five to be exact, um, from dementia and Alzheimer's. And so I'm really cognitive today of what I know, and I'm trying to do everything I can to help people 
say, Hey, look, go study your parents, go figure out what they had to struggle with, what they went through, what, what did they teach you? What did they ingrain in you? And if you, if your parents are still alive and if you're lucky enough to have your grandparents still alive, get a recorder on your iPhone or your Android and start asking them questions. Start just interviewing your parents. Say, mom, I just, I want to know these things. And I would love you to tell me because they're the last piece of kind of your memory. And they hold such an important part because it's the memory they have of you versus the memory you've been telling everyone about you, what you think to be true. They have theirs. And I've been really doing that. And it's been really helpful for me because I've gained a lot of clarity of the story that I told myself as a child to what really happened as a child. My parents were always around. I was loved. I had the best of both worlds. I got to spend time with my dad, spend time with my mom. I had an older sister. I had a stepbrother. Life was great. But in my head, I felt abandoned, saddened, and alone that no one cared about me. And that's just the story that I felt in, in my head that I told. And I lived, I basically fed off of that story because I didn't know how to tell people how I was feeling internally. I would go to therapy. I wouldn't even tell the therapist what I was feeling. I would just lie so I could get out of there. And so in my adulthood, now I'm more honest and forthright because it's the way that I truly want to be perceived, but I also want people to understand what I'm feeling. And it's great and healthy to share that with another human being. Okay. And that's wonderful. But don't you think both could be true? That yes, you were loved. Yes, there was a sister mm-hmm. and the stepbrother and all this stuff. And yes, you felt alienated and alone and stupid and all of these things. You know, here's- because you stupid. That's, that's what I, you're one of the smartest people I've ever met. So, but like, but like, here's the thing is I find that our parents have an ulterior motive in telling us how great things were when the reality is a lot more complicated than that. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I use this in pretty much if I'm working one-on-one or in a small group, I said this morning when you got dressed, and you put your pants on, your underwear on, your socks on, and your shoes on. Which foot did you put in first? Are you asking so think, me? Yeah. Hi, my right. Cool. Where do you think you learned that from? Um, my mom. Yeah. And where do you think she learned it from? Her mom. Right. So if that's just been two passes, right, to you. Yeah. How much other stuff has she fed you that you are doing without even realizing it? Well, yes, but what if, and I guess this is sort of your point, but you're much much more positive and possibly loving than I am. What if those things weren't so great? Oh, no, and and then they're not. And I use this all the time too, is let's rewrite the mixtape you've been playing and let's go write it with the new hits that you want to be playing and the new things that you want. And so your past serves you up until the moment you realize that you can go in a better direction and you can leave your past behind. Life's dumpster is what I like to call it. You've been pushing this thing, right? With stories that you tell yourself about your family and they're in front of you. You've been pushing this dumpster into every relationship you've ever had, every instance, a date, if you go out with like a, a girlfriend or a friend and you're like, you're going to go out and do something and you're like, oh crap, I don't want to do that because I've already done it. And that's your life's dumpster. And the people you love and the people you care about are, are on the other side of that dumpster and you just keep pushing it. And so I had to get what I like to say is separation. I had to walk around my past and I had to stand with my wife and I had to turn from it and I wanted to look forward and create my future. I wanted to create with her my new reality, my new existence. And so where was my past? It was behind me. And if you've ever looked at a big giant dumpster, 
that's like big, there's doors that swing open. And I've gone and walked in and started picking things from my past and started doing the work to, you know, either get resentments to be gone or to understand why things happen. And I started realizing my parents don't have any power over me unless I give them power. Right. So, and that means like, just because they brought you into this world doesn't mean you have to be with them for the rest of your life. Like you, you just, you can go make your decisions and never want to talk to your parents again. I highly don't recommend it, but like you can totally go in a different you know, direction. And so for myself, my brain really said a couple things growing up. I was loved. I was hurt. I was abandoned. Um, they taught me everything that I needed to know that I needed to do to get to, you know, at least high school and, and move on from there. And I've had to figure out a lot of stuff. I've been filling in the blanks to the puzzle that I thought I was putting together. And when I looked at it, I'm like, it's so different from what I, I saw growing up to what I, where I'm at now. My business partner is, is a childhood friend who lived basically directly across the street. I lived with them for a short period of time because I got kicked out of my house for getting my ear pierced. You did? How old yeah, you? my mom was like, oh, you're so you're a rebel or whatever. And I'm like, mom, fine, whatever. Screw you. I'm leaving. And I went and I moved uh, in with Doug's family for a short period of time. And it reminds me, wow, like my past has played such a pivotal role in the who, who I am and how I parent and how I love. But it also is something that I, I use as just a teaching tool to say, hey, look, I have gone through so much shit and so much stuff. But yet there's so many other people that are suffering and struggling and have so much more going on. So I really try not to let my story be my story. What I'm really working on today is saying, hey, look, I don't necessarily know how you feel or what you've gone through. I can just tell you that I'm with you, meaning I'm not going to abandon you like maybe other people have. I'm going to work with you and we're going to figure out obstacles and new things that we can work through and change some of the patterns and habits that you've experienced. And let's go create a, just an unbelievable future. Let's go create the best version of life that you want while you're here. And so you can go live that. That's what I'm all about today. That's what Be Fulfilled is. Be Fulfilled stands for, you know, being fulfilled both personally and professionally. That's what I'm after in helping people to figure out when they wake up in the morning, they look out into the world, they say, today's a good day. Sean Stevenson's When Life Works list. We just used it in my sales meeting this morning. I'm like, are you doing things off of your When Life Works list? Are you doing life off of your When Life Sucks list? You have one good one and a bad one and you choose every single day which one to use. And I said, if you can focus on what's really good in your life, why would you ever stop doing that? What is a when, when life works list? Is that something each person creates for themselves or Sean, yes. you follow yep. Sean Stevenson's? Yeah. I mean, you just literally say like to yourself, like, you know, when your life's working. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to use you as my guinea pig for the next like 30 seconds. Fantastic. List like as many things as you possibly can down on paper. 14 of them is where I try to cap you. Uh, of when you know that your life's amazing, what are you doing? Exercising, eating healthy, talking to your friends, reading, writing. Tell me what you do. Drinking coffee. Give me some. Um, okay. I might be a complicated one because I do the exact same things whether life is working or not working, but hold on. I don't want to be difficult from the get-go. I'm meditating. I'm uh, working out. I'm drinking lots of water. I'm hanging out with people that are very supportive. I'm we're doing a lot of good productive work and I'm getting outside and walking. All right, now let's stop and ask yourself when you're not really in the zone or you're far from that, are you really talking to your friends? Are you really meditating? Are you really eating healthy? Are you really zoning in in your work? Or are you not? 
Like you have to just make a decision because everything is a decision and you have a choice right now in this moment to pick one. I, I, I'm a freak of nature. Like I have been profoundly depressed in my life and I do not quote present as depressed. When I'm profoundly depressed and going through shit, I do the exact same stuff. I'm just as functional and all this stuff. So I'm not a good example, but no, I no, no, think- you are. No, no. I want I want to talk about that if we can. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Gonna, Who's gonna, interviewing hey, who, Tony? I've already been on your podcast. No, because you asked the question in the very beginning and I think it's really a, a, a poignant question that I don't want to just skip over. Like I struggle with depression, even as successful as I may seem to the world, I still struggle with life. Right. And when I, when I sit down and I'm get, I call it, you have to get honest with yourself. I teach growth was grateful, real, open-minded, willingness, teachable, and happy. And that formula works when I'm really real with myself so I can be real with you. When I can say, Anna, you know what? Like I have those moments of my time where I am depressed, but I also have those moments where I'm really like high on life, not on drugs, just life. And it's life is good. And so you present one thing to the world, but internally you're not that way. So you're a great actor, as I like to call it. I'm a great actor. I show our book resources tell me like, I'm just showing the world just this act and I need to be okay that my act isn't always on. Mm-hmm. And so by doing the when life works list for me, it's at least taking me in a better direction where I can say like when I'm not depressed, because literally like somebody walked in my office the other day and they're like, you look depressed. And I said, I feel stressed. I just have so much shit that I've, I piled on this successful entrepreneur's mindset that I can handle because I'm still juggling. I'm juggling 15 things right now, you know, talking about an event that I've got coming up, talking about launching a new journal with you, talking about, you know, running an eight figure business, talking about traveling, talking about this, you know, and I got kids in college, I'm juggling shit. And I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm like, I just need to breathe. Right. And that whole moment, walk outside, get the sun, like put some vitamin D in your life. Like you can change the direction of your life right now if you choose to. Right. And, you know, I, I just want to say thank you for having me, you know, and I love, you know, I like free flowing conversations. I don't like direction. So yeah. I never wanted to be told what to do as a child. Same, and when you, yeah. when you told me what to do as a kid, I probably rebelled yeah. and I probably made you very miserable. But when you allowed me to be me, life works. <laughs> That's a great quote. Do you have a thing? I have a thing where like in LA, there's a lot of construction right now. Um, like you're driving down the street and there's construction, there's construction guys. And they're kind of like, they're sort of gesturing when you can drive and when you can stop. I want to, I want to yell at them. That's how little I like to be controlled. I'm like, who the F does that guy think he is telling me to stop? He's just a guy doing construction. Do you have that? Yeah. I drove past a guy this morning without even realizing it in my neighborhood. They were pouring like concrete yeah. and I drove right around the truck and I left. And then I realized all these people are standing around looking at me like, what an asshole. Like, yes, like, there we go. Well, okay. But okay. I do want to go back to one thing. So you're talking about, you know, you don't speak till you're four. That is very isolating. You're growing up. Did you go to college? Uh, I went to two years of junior college and I'm 13 units short. So I did not complete any college. Um, and you, but, but here's what I want to know. So you've got this drive inside of you. You've been modeling yourself after your dad and there's been a lot of financial ups and downs. So you're like, so I, I'm just 
put, putting this on you, I'm guessing. So you're like, I got to make money. I got to be secure. I got to be solid. I don't want to be like that. I want to have a family that's super stable. So you go and you've got these three friends. You guys start ship offers. Was it called ship offers or was it something no, It was else? called I-5 because that's what you used to drive to get to my house, I-5. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I lived up in Castaic. We started my business in my uh, in the business right in my you know garage, and uh, this is my second fulfillment supplement company. The other one um, that I left is still still active today. It's twenty some odd years later. So I, this is what I know. So, so you guys say we're gonna. Like, I this is I want to get to the origin of the success story. So you're like success. Yeah, and cut all the other stuff out because none of it's really does. This is what's the meat and potatoes, right? This is what you want to feed people. Well, this is this is what's so interesting to me, um, and also, I mean, I think any sort of podcast or anything we do is like, what is what is it that we personally want answered? And I think for me, I I was not able to get quote successful in the world until I could clean up my life. You were able to kind of do both at the same time, uh, but so so I want to get to this. So you're so you're in your garage. You you're like, let's start a a company? Like, what did you know? What did you, what was the Yeah. Idea? So I, I literally started in 1996 online and I drove traffic, designed websites. I was a DJ in San Jose by day and I was an internet trying to figure it out kind of guy by night. Um, I watched companies like WebMD flip on their data centers. I was part-time working at a facility that had bandwidth because, you know, my bandwidth bill in 96, 97, the stuff I was doing was like a thousand to $10,000 a month just to have a server up running. And, you know, and I was a kid making, you know, $25 an hour max working as a DJ and nightclubs and that kind of stuff. So I, I needed to figure out how to make money to support what I was trying to get into. 96, 97, there was CompuServe, Earthlink, Prodigy, AOL. That's what was connecting most people to the internet. And so I was like, wow, I'm figuring this thing out. And I lived in Silicon Valley. And at the time, I dated a girl who worked at Apple. And so I got free laptops and she would bring me home. So I watched Apple really rise up for their second time. And I said to myself, what can I do? And so there was a company called Adobe and they launched a product called uh, Adobe PageMill. And that was like the way to design websites in the 90s. And so I flipped on and I learned and I could, I'm a really good studier, meaning you show me, I've figured it out, get out of the way. Let me just go do it. I'm not great at teaching people how to go figure it out unless they're willing to get their hands dirty first. There's no shortcut to success. It's called hard work and you got to put in the work. So I'm living in Silicon Valley. I'm working a job. I'm making money. I'm figuring it out. And this is my wife and I ended up meeting around this time, 98 ish. Uh, I was finishing my kind of my radio career we were dating, kind of talking about the next steps in our life. And she went to go work one day, the next day, like 11 o'clock, and the doors were closed. They were chained up from the night before, locked up. And I went to, I didn't know it was her job. I didn't know it was where her work was. I went there and the doors were wide open and it was the same doors. And the club closed down. It was called San Jose Live. And the next morning when I went there to like later that day, it's where the data center was coming. So I watched WebMD flip on their servers for the very first time in Silicon Valley. And, and I caught wind to the internet. And I said, holy Toledo, like you're talking about me paying $1,000 to $10,000 a month for bandwidth. These people are paying hundreds, if not millions of dollars a month for bandwidth to run servers and platforms that are controlling and pushing out data all across before Facebook. 
before MySpace, any of that kind of stuff. And so I saw all of this stuff come alive and my eyes lit up because all I could hear was cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. I just saw money opportunities. And I've always been one to say, hey, look, opportunities are endless, but you have to choose one that you're willing to stick at. You can't be a juggler and keep moving from thing to thing. You have to be very focused. And so I, I had enough jobs to serve me by the time I was 18 to realize there's a couple of things in life that I wanted to do. I love to entertain. I love to help people find their why. And I love to build and create things. And so we started our very first company. Um, and I moved to Los Angeles in 2000. And I partnered up with uh, Richard Dreyfus's brother, Brian Tochi, who was in Police Academy, Ted Williams, the baseball player's son, John Henry Williams, Pat, Larry, Eric. I, I was even partners with a guy who created Tybo for a, a short period of time. And we had a company and a 13-year-old CEO and another person, Mark, Mark Schilder, who was another person involved. And we created a company that went and was on 2020. And this company uh, was all featured around a 13-year-old CEO at the time. And we had this amazing opportunity to create web content that was literally like what you would watch like a 30 minute episode on your TV. We put the first kind of web content out to the internet for kids, but it was ages like 13 to 18. And so there was a movie that came out this last year called Shazam. And that gentleman was like, we saw him get one of his earliest roles in like our production. And a lot of famous people have been through uh, Hollywood started with what we were doing. And wow. I saw this stuff happen and then I was a part of the dot-com bomb. I watched a big offer come in, two of them from Warner and Sony Brothers to, uh, to buy our company and there was 10 board members and six said no and I was one of the four that said yes. And so I'd already cashed my paycheck in my head. It was $4 million just for me and I was so excited and I watched the internet bomb and I saw everything that I had worked for just fall apart and I was like, screw this. I'm not. I got to get out of this. And so I left that company. I left the thing that I was a part of on October 20th of 2000. I, I remember calling my time at the time, my business partner. And I said, Hey dude, I'm moving. I think it's time we go. And he's like, well, okay, cool. I'll do whatever you want. And 30 seconds later, he calls me back. He goes, I'm just about to sign papers for my, you know, my new house. I'm like, just sign the freaking papers. We're going to be fine. And I've had that mentality since I was a little kid. I will be fine. I don't know all the reasons or how it's going to work, but I know we're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. That's something that I say that you're going to have to find if you want to be successful. You, you got to find a way, not an excuse. There's always an opportunity. There's a phone call, an email. There's something you can do today to better yourself. And so now this is 2000. I'm literally going, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I just moved away from one company. I'm sitting in my house and I'm like, why don't we just go do what we know how to do? Let's go make money. And so we launched our very first product and offer, which was a product called uh, Liquid V. <laughs> so uh, I got a, a lovely message from Pfizer saying, you know, please change the name, change the terminology you're using. Um, it was an herbal version of, of Viagra at the time. And so we shifted it to Liquid RX a couple weeks later was March of 2001 and we launched this company um, and we launched with all liquid products to start and then transitioned after one year into pills, tablets and all the other stuff that we do today. And I just saw everything evolve and I realized the very beginning was I still had the same mentality. I don't know what we're doing, but I know we can do it. 
Right. And that's what I love to encourage people is like, you may be listening to me today going, the guy's a babbling idiot. Or you may be saying, wow, there's something simple. What he said is pick something you're super passionate about, invest the time, money, and energy to learn about it, build a strong, amazing network of people around you. And you don't have to worry about it. Just jump, just start, just just get moving. That's your one life works list. Just get moving towards the direction you want to go. And if you don't know the direction you want to go, that's okay too. So stop where you're at in your tracks, unless you're driving and imagine what you would love to do. And I don't want to say for the next five years, I want to say for the rest of my life, I can always change, but I want to picture it because I want to do something fun every day that doesn't feel like work. It just feels fun. Right. Because you're not having fun. You're doing something obviously wrong. So all of this got started working out of my garage. Life was great. Things were awesome. And literally um, nine years ago, it was the coming out of 2008. And Tony literally was just getting into the rooms of recovery, literally been separated from his wife for three years, suicidal, attempted suicide, had somebody knock on my door and save my life. And I don't say this stuff just to say it, to go, ooh, I say it because I was super depressed. I was living a lie. I wasn't being forthright and honest. I was in tons of debt. And next thing I realized, I didn't know how to do it myself anymore. I, I, because I had all the success, my, my business partners at the time, making money, storing cash, having a great time, living a really good life. Myself, I was blowing money left and right to make everybody, wow, like Tony's got it all figured out. I didn't have anything figured out. Right. And then what did I realize? I had modeled my father. Mm-hmm. I had modeled what I saw. My dad was the producer of the Miss California pageant for 30 years. And so I saw an entertainer. I saw a producer. I saw somebody who had bright lights, glitz and glamour, nice cars, nice houses, nice things. And inside I was miserable. And I realized uh, my dad was miserable too, because after a while, it's like a Ponzi scheme. It eventually collapses. Mm-hmm. And so my whole, my whole life changed when I ended up having that knock come on my door And my buddy John uh, said on October 9th of 2008, your life has meaning and purpose, but what you're doing right now doesn't. And it took me 45 days after that to finally put down the the bottle. I was able to quit all the drugs. And then I got sober on 12-15 of 08 and have been able to remain and stay clean and sober um, by telling myself, like, I can only do so much by myself. I do need to be surrounded by people like you, my sponsor, my pastors, people who speak truth into me because I'll still lie to myself and look in the mirror and say, I've got all this thing figured out and I don't. Right, right. Wow, that was, I didn't even need to ask anything, Tony. That was fucking great. Um, we um, were getting towards the lightning round. Um, I do also want to tell people that you and I uh, worked on, have created a Be Fulfilled journal together, which will be available for sure in 2019. Yes. We know it will. And you'll be able to get it on the Be Fulfilled website. We know that. Um, You're going to be able to go to BeFulfilledRecovery.com. Oh, yeah. You can put in your email address and we'll notify you when it is live and and available for purchase. Um, The one thing that I do want to say, I had met Anna a couple times and I said, man, if I'm going to go do something phenomenal, I'm going to go partner up with her because she's got just an amazing ability. And so I couldn't be more excited to be saying like, you're the very first co kind of author, creator of something that I've launched. I launched the original Be Fulfilled Journal 
um, because I wanted to, to show people, hey, here's a platform that worked for me. Maybe it would work for you. And I've had great success. Love, love the raving fans. But I realized deep down inside, like your light hustle calling and all that, you're like, I've been in recovery for so long. I'm like, but there's a lot of people who are just getting into sobriety today or recovery today that need, I, I believe, some assistance um, because I think there's better ways that we can teach people. And I want to be able to support them because those people helped support me when I was at my lowest. And so I wanted to go to somebody like yourself, who's a great storyteller and you're like, no brainer, we'll figure this thing out. And so thank you for just following me on this crazy idea to, to, two crazy people coming together to put out a really good product, personal stories in it, daily journaling opportunities for you to do some lesson work. And I'm super blessed and excited to have this because at the end of the day, uh, I wish I would have had something like this in my early days of recovery of something that somebody said, just go put your thoughts down on paper. You always hear it in recovery, but now there's some structure around how you can put your thoughts down and something you can keep with you. And I'm a big believer. You got to look back at your past and understand where you're going because it holds the key to your future. Yes. And let me say it is, it's, there are no accidents because, you know, I, I'm a writer because I heal through writing. I kept my first journal when I was eight years old. I've never not written in order to heal. So the fact that, you know, and in the back of my head, it was always like a journal. It would be cool to create a journal, but I had no direct plan, no path. And then you came to me and, you know, quick recap of our, of our storied history. We met at Genius Network in the hallway. Joe Polish had sort of announced I was in recovery and you were like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm in recovery too. And you were super cool and you're wearing your trademark at baseball hat. And I'm like, this guy isn't like the typical genius network person. Like, well, who is this guy? And then we saw each other at Traffic and Conversion the following year, talking to Omar, previous podcast guest, oh, and, um, and we're both like, wait, I know you, I know you, whatever. Then cut to the following year, Traffic and Conversion this past year. And I do want to tell this story because it is really fascinating. So you hosted this steak dinner. Was it Morton's? Is that where it was? Yep. So it's, you shut down this restaurant. It was what, 100 people? ish, something 150. like that. 150. Yeah. And when you were talking about your dad being this great showman, I was, in, I was remembering you on the mic talking about people and you did something that I have, that um, I've never seen before and probably won't see since, which is you started handing out hundred dollar bills. <laughs> now someone could say that's a pretty odd thing to do, but you did it. This is even odder. You did it with a very specific intention, which was to help this group of people bond together. So you basically, at my table, you you handed, I think, $1,000. Oh, you know, at the guy at the table, I used to work with Darren way back in my other life. You had a great table of people who knew me when I was really crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and Dov, who's going to be, we'll talk about e-com and influence too, but like, and, and so he, you hand this guy a thousand dollars and then the, then he handed me $400. And so it was like, the idea was that we were all going to, it was like the quickest way to get people to show their generosity. Cause if somebody at that dinner is going to hold on to a thousand dollars and not give it to the table mates, they're going to look like a real asshole. Yeah. You're never going to want to do business with somebody like who's selfish and self-centered. And I, and my, the program I work, everything teaches me one thing, right? You can hold a door today for a complete stranger and you probably would be pissed if that person doesn't say thank you. Like you would just get, you'd say in your head this, this tape, like, man, I just held the door open for you. I'm not asking you to do that. What I'm asking you to do it and not need anything in return. And so I gave away thousands of dollars um, to really 
help people to realize that let's, let's remove the things that most people are in a room for themselves. Right. And I want to, I want to help people to say like, there's a better calling and a need for you in this world than just to make money. Money's great. I just don't want people to lead with their wallet. I want people to lead with their heart. If you lead with your heart, two things fill up your wallet, you will make money. And you'll just be happier in life because you're out there serving. And I wasn't serving when I was at my lowest point. Today, I'm serving at the highest point I can. And there's so many more steps for me to take. So giving away money was awesome because what I said directly is like, share it with the people around you. And if you don't know people next to you, go introduce yourself. But I'm going to encourage you. And I made this a point. Don't be the douchebag that keeps all the money to yourself. Go share it with somebody and make an impact in this world. And you're like, $1,000? I'm like, no. You know, some people in this room right now, as much as they think they've got it all figured out, they're really struggling. And that extra $100 could be their ticket home. And I actually had a buddy in that room who that was his money home. Hmm. As much as, you know, he wanted to be in the room, that was his money home to get back. That was the $100 that he needed to get his plane ride home. And, and, I, and I say, you never know how little someone needs that means so much to them. And it's so little to you. It's like, yeah, I have five bucks, but you know, that could be somebody's next meal. So I'm a big believer in giving because I've received so much and I want to help others to do the same. Awesome. Now we get to move into the lightning round. You are the first person to get my lightning round. So I'm super, super excited. So just tell me quickly, because these I think are the keys to success. What is your morning routine? Uh, wake up, journal, meditate, and work out. What is the book that most changed your life? The book that changed my life is Think and Grow Rich. What is your favorite quote? Uh, my favorite quote in life is Be the Change You Wish to See in This World by Gandhi. It doesn't start with anybody but me. Do you have a mentor? I have five. Um, what is your spiritual practice? So I was born a Jew. Lived with a Catholic, was my dad. Um, lived with a Christian family with my business partner. Married a Mormon. So we put it all in a Vitamix and hit puree. And I just believe that there's got to be something greater than you and me. And so if uh, I'm a practicing Christian. Uh, what is your best quality? My best quality? Mm-hmm. Compassion. What is your worst quality? Patience. <laughs> I don't have any. <laughs> Well, that is it, Tony G. Thank you so much for doing the premiere episode of this show. It is such a pleasure. And I'm so excited. I don't know when anybody is hearing this, but Ecom and Influence is an event that Tony is putting on in Denver, Colorado, that I'm going to be appearing at. I'm super excited. It's in August. I couldn't be more excited to be premiering kind of what I believe is something that I, I, I can envision being a really big deal at least once a year. So when I called you, you're like, sure, whatever, I'll be there. And that's the kind of friends I want in my life. And so when you said that to me, not only are we doing a journal together, you said, yes, I'd come and support you and love to give back and love to make an impact. Those are the types of people I want anybody listening today to try to find in their life. People who would drop whatever they're doing to go support you in what you do. And then in return, remember not to be a bad person and go help those people do it uh, when you least want to. Because at the end, as we hang up today, I want to say my very first thought is selfish. My very first thought is selfish. My second thought is usually that of service. And so, yes, I have some sobriety, but I have a lot of old thinking that still plays the old tapes that if it's not about me, I don't want to do it. And I just want to say thank you for giving me a chance. And I'm honored to be on your first episode 
to be a part of something. And I want to say, if we didn't meet at Genius Network, there would be no Genius Recovery part of the give back that we're doing with our journal. And I want to say everything happens and I don't necessarily know how it happens. I just know that I'm a participant in life's greatest game, which is it's time to level up, put quarters in your machine today and don't quit. Keep moving forward. And, and, and I'm looking forward to what we get to create with this journal and impact thousands of people's lives. I can't wait for you to take the stage. I can't wait for you to share more of your wisdom. I'm excited to talk to you about authoring and writing a book. I'm, I'm excited about all the wonderful things um, that we have when we team up with amazing human beings who are here to do more than just run a podcast. You're about connecting people and you're a great connector and I love to do the same. That's why I said yes to the interview. Awesome. Thank you, Tony. Find out more about Tony. I think the best website is BeFulfilled.com. Is that where you'd most like to send people? Yeah, BeFulfilledJournal.com or you can, if you can remember my long name, TonyGrubmeyer.com will give you access to everything. All right. Thanks, Tony. Thanks to you all for listening. See you next time.